Hello, I'm Mariette Smeyman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Our topic is how to trust yourself around food. My guest is functional nutritionist, investigative health journalist and health coach, Zina LaRue from Pretoria. Welcome, Zina. Thanks, Mariette. To our listeners, after our conversation, Zina will give us her three best tips on living a fulfilling life. And then it will be fun question time. Zina, you once said that to get to a place of healing and freedom around eating, it is important to change our relationship with food and our relationship with our bodies. This resonated with me because many of us are fortunate we don't have a lack of food or food choices, but our relationship with food is so complex. What are your thoughts on this? Yes, absolutely, Mariette. So, um, you know, most of us know exactly what to do. We know exactly what to eat. Uh, we know we should cut out the sugar and the refined carbs. We know the drill. And some people are e even walking nutritional databases. You know, they know exactly the amount of protein, carbs, fats, calories that each type of food contains. But this is not what will give you freedom and healing around food. So, yes, our relationships with food is very complex because the first time we make a squeak when we get into this world, you know, we, our mothers nurtures us with feeding us. Hey? And, and this repeats in life, um, later in our lives as well. So when you got good marks, we went for an ice cream, right? Or, if, <laughs> or when you go to, a, to the dentist, you get a lollipop <laughs> because you endured the suffering. Um, so yes, it does make it more complex. And also, unfortunately, we lose touch with our bodies throughout life. And it actually doesn't have to be so complex. It's actually one of the most natural things ever. If you think of a wild animal roaming, you know, they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they've had enough. But yeah, unfortunately, it has become really complex for us. It's good to hear that it mm. could be natural. Mm. I'd like us first to look at our relationship with food and then at our relationship with our bodies. So maybe you could start by talking about factors that shape our relationship with food. Absolutely. So one of the first things, like I've already mentioned, is our upbringing. You know, that warm, cuddly, nurturing feeling um, that we often seek for is something that we associate with food. And, you know, it's it's quite interesting um, where there's there's a bit of a rebel that also comes out to play for example my one of my clients um when you restrict their way of eating in in some or other way someone who has never had a complex relationship with food before and they've got some type of disease or illness and i need to take out gluten from their diet for example then i always see that suddenly they become they they crave exactly that one thing that i'm telling them not to have you know so, so it's, it's quite um, interesting where, that, where that, that restriction comes in. But also, when we take that one sugar or milk tart or whatever it is for that client, when we take that from their diet, often that's the only memory they've got left of their mother. You know, they used to have tea and milk tart with their mother every afternoon at four o'clock. So taking that from their diet is like taking their mother away, you know, so it's, that's, that's quite a sensitive topic. So that's the first one. 
the second one is the media and other sources of information. So unfortunately, we've got this external view of what we are supposed to look like, right? Um, and we tend to feed the body without consulting the body in many, in many cases. So we, it's, it's kind of in the head. You know, it's one o'clock, I'm supposed to have lunch now, hey? Or we, we think about carbs are not good for me, sugar is not good for me. Compared to, is my body hungry? Is this what my body needs? You know, so it's become very, very complex. So I often tell clients, you know, it's, it's like children chattering in the background. And as adults, we want to have a, a conversation. And we just need to tell those, those children, please just go play outside for a moment so we can talk about this. So um, it's, it's the same way when, when your mind chatters in the background, or oh, oh, carbs, or oh, oh, sugar, you know, um, we should try to tune back into our bodies and what is it that our bodies need. The third thing that um, makes our relationship with food quite complex is definitely a lack of time and energy. Something that's very interesting to me is, you know, digest digestion starts in the brain. You know? Oh. Yes. So if, you know, if we're thinking about that lovely pasta dish at the, at the Italian restaurant, <laughs> the Alfredo, the ham, the cream, you know, I already start to salivate, mm. right? So it really, it's, it's quite powerful if you think about food. There's enzymes, there's digestive juices that get secreted. Um, but unfortunately, in our fast food culture, you know, we skip that part. And also smelling the food, seeing the food, thinking about the food. And then there's a whole process of digestion that gets skipped. So it's, you won't absorb or digest your food as efficiently as you would have if you have done it in a, in a different way. And this means that we are nutritionally starved. You know, we don't absorb those nutrition, nutrients as we could. Um, and then we stay hungry and we keep on craving the processed foods, but there's no nutrients in there. So the body stays nutritionally starved. Okay. Um, and then another big one I see is the energy. So lack of energy. Many of us are so tired. Um, we don't get the sleep that we need. And then your body screams for glucose, for the refined carbs, caffeine, those are the things that's going to raise your energy level very quickly. So your body asks for that. So in my practice, I'm really interested in addressing the root cause of any problem. It's not about treating the symptoms. I really want to get to the root cause. So yes, of course, it will help to add some wholesome, nutritious foods into your diet. But if you're tired and your body is asking for those foods, I would rather look at how can we help you to get more sleep? What's coming in the way of the sleep, right? Okay, and then the next thing that I want to mention is our thoughts. That definitely, like I mentioned with the children, going that chatter of um, going on inside of our minds all the time. Um, and one of the most common thoughts that I hear in my practice, that I hear that clients have, is that all or nothing thinking. Okay, so either I'm on the diet, and if I eat one chocolate, I might as well give, give it up. Okay? And that's just absolutely not true. Think about it. If there's two people on a 10-week program, and both of them have chocolate in week three, then, I mean, and the one says, no, you know what, it's just a chocolate, tomorrow I'm going to go back to normal. And in the other case, the guy says, but screw this, I can just as well give up. Obviously, they will have different results in the end. So I don't know, even know where this thinking comes from. So that's a, that's a big barrier for clients achieving their goals. 
And then the second last one I want to mention is also dopamine and actually consumerism, right? So consumerism encourages us to always want more and better and have that upgraded version of whatever. Um, we, we're always in search of the next high and we need that to be happy. We need that body to be happy. And that influences the way we see food, the, the way we um, interact with food. You know, if a, I've talked about that animal that wild animal earlier where a lion would, you know, he would roam freely. When he's hungry, he's going to try to get that antelope. When he's satisfied, he will go back into the, into the bush. So if that animal were actually told that he needs to have a specific type of body, then obviously that will be influenced. True. It will be influenced. So us always wanting to have a different body definitely influences our eating patterns. Okay, and then the last thing is our emotions. So, yes, there's something called emotional eating. And I, another word I like to use in this regard is non-hunger eating, basically. And this is when you're eating when there's no physical signs of hunger present. And this is so common, really common. And we eat for both positive and negative reasons, right? So when we celebrate, when we're lonely, when we're sad, angry, frustrated, um, or even just need a reward after a long day of work. So the weird thing here is that somehow we've been taught that it's not okay to have certain emotions. So we need to cover them up or we need to eat more chocolate so we just don't feel that emotion. And it's so sad. Because, you know, we get taught about geography and we get taught about math, but we don't get taught how to manage our emotions. And that is so crucial. And, and for some other reason, people think that life is supposed to be a flowery garden. It's always going to be good. And that's not true. Ask anyone. Anyone is going to tell you they have experienced heartbreak. They have experienced a lot of difficult emotions in life. It's, it's almost a 50-50 thing. We are going to experience good emotions and bad emotions. So why are we trying to shy away from it? Why is it that, you know, yes, it might be comfortable, but one of the best things we can do is to just let that emotion be, you know, instead of wanting to eat some chocolate to, to, to make it feel better. So something that I often encourage clients to do here is to ask yourself the question, when you realize that you are eating and you're not, not hungry, ask yourself the question, what am I really hungry for? And then often they say, but no, I'm really hungry for the brownie. And then, okay, just ask again, what am I really, really hungry for? And then they kind of start to tune into what might be really going on. You know? And sometimes you even have to ask it three times, really, really, really hungry for, and then they are, oh, okay, I'm just tired. I need a nap. Now, I need excitement. I need a new hobby. I need to phone my mom, <laughs> you know. So, so that's very important. And, and people realize, you know, they might need silence. They might need reflection time. They might need me time, um, sleep, connection, all of those things. So I find that it's actually an amazing tool. Food is it's almost like this red arrow pointing towards there's something that's lacking. If you're eating if you're not hungry, when you're not hungry, something is lacking. And if you can actually start addressing that, that gives you access to a more meaningful and a fulfilling life. So I don't see it as a bad thing. Definitely not. Yeah, so, so I've heard that eating can soothe your nervous system. 
But when you ask yourself, what do, what do I really need in this moment, then it might tell you that that I'm feeling stressed. Or Yes, exactly, exactly. And it can soothe your nervous system, that's true. And it might help you momentarily, right? So in that moment, but usually there's a bigger issue. There's a bigger, um, I don't necessarily want to call it a problem, but there's something lacking. And even if you just start addressing it, then I often tell clients, you know, still have your chocolate, but just at least address that problem as well. Mm. So you will have to find the thing that causes the stress. Yes, exactly. Whether it's boredom or fear of a telephone call you have to make or whatever. Yes, yes. And maybe it's a better idea then to introduce some techniques on how to manage your stress levels at least. Uh, If you can't really address the root cause of it, at least manage your stress Mm. if that's possible. Yes, that's, yeah. that's very wise. Zina, through which steps do you take a client who is inclined to eat for emotional reasons or, as you say, to do non-hungry eating? So where I usually start is I address the physiological reasons first. So getting the body back in balance. And this means, for example, one thing I would look at is blood sugar balance whether they are eating real nutritious foods to get that vitamins and nutrients into their body um, and then keeping their gut healthy. Often when I, you know, I, I really, I don't do diets. I don't do restrictive diets at all. For me, it's about just including more nutritious, wholesome foods into their body and getting that body back into balance. And I want my clients to reframe this for themselves because they're so used to, I'm going on a diet, Sunday night I'm going to eat the whole pan of brownies because tomorrow I'm starting with my diet and I really want to get them out of that way of thinking so um, in this way I want them to reframe and and tell themselves that I'm doing this for my body it's not I'm not working against my body I'm not restricting ignoring my hunger pangs my body needs this right and when I'm bringing my body back in balance so I can learn to trust it more So I'm quite surprised, often when I just do this, when I help a client to get their body back in balance, it's amazing to see, even ladies with eating disorders, I've seen once their bodies are back in balance, suddenly their relationship with food changes. Because it's not that biological, physiological cry from your body to please give me sugar or give me this or that because I'm out of balance. So that could make a big difference. If that doesn't necessarily work, then I will... um, I have a 10-week protocol that I follow with clients and I take them through a guided process of enabling them to start listening to their bodies. Yeah, I use mindful eating exercises. I use or I I encourage them to tune into their hunger signals, um, addressing their thought patterns. We look at their wellness vision. What is it that they really want for their body and for their health? And it's quite interesting, especially the younger girls I've seen. There's a, it's, it's actually quite sad that I'm seeing more and more younger girls in primary school that have disordered, um, you know, relationship with their body and food. But often these girls, when I ask them, you know, for them, it's the most important thing to have that wonderful, beautiful body. Then I ask them, is it really true? Is it really true that if you have that body, even though you're ill, even though you are lying in bed, Even if your organs fail, is that still okay for you? Do you still want that body then? And then often they're like, no, 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 no. I want to use my body. I want to have the energy to enjoy life. I want people to see my body. I want to be out there, right? 
And often they didn't know that it's possible. They didn't know that it's possible to be healthy and to actually have the energy and feel good. So we need to work through those lies. That's a big one. And then what I also do is I, yeah, I work through those lies of the health industry and we, we also look at their core values, the things that are most important to them in life. And we align their goals and their core values because what we value, we prioritize. And if you can make a link with where they want to be in terms of health and how that links in with their most, yeah, their, their core values, then it often just helps them to get that extra bit of motivation. Yeah, and, and it's quite a fluid, intuitive process that I go through with clients. Um, it depends on what barriers come up for them. And I, I, I always tell them as well that if you think of, doesn't matter what nutrition plan you're going to follow. You could follow the Banting diet or the Keto diet or the High Carb diet, whatever, the Paleo diet. But the same things will always come in the way for you. For you. So that might be lack of time, might be uh, the emotional eating. And those are the things that we address because in order for you to get to a place of sustainable change, it's not, for me, it's not about quick fixes or fad diets. I want you to be able to do this for five years, 10 years for the rest of your life. So it sounds as if you help people get to know themselves and their motivation better. Yes, exactly. Yes. Mm. And that's why you're a coach. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> And now we come to our relationship with our bodies. Uh, you did say that we don't listen. I think that's true for many of us because in our society, the mind often seems to be the most important thing. Which problems do you often see regarding our relationship with our bodies? I think one of the most, yeah, you know, the biggest issues that I see is that we have an ornamental view of the body, an aesthetic view of the body, more so than an instrumental or a functional view of the body, right? So, you know, to give you an example of this, you know, you're only focusing on the flab on your arms compared to this arm. I can work with these arms. You know, I can write with my arms. I can hug someone with my arms. And my body is a living miracle because if you think about, you know, this morning I had breakfast and I didn't tell my body to start digesting it. It's happening now as I'm sitting here. You know, it's amazing. So yes, you can focus on the little flab on your tummy, but it's keeping your digestive organs inside. That's amazing. So that's, that's really something where I feel like, yes, you, it's important what we look like, of course. I, I wouldn't say that we shouldn't focus on that at all, but I just think it's a bit screwed up. I think we're just focusing too much on this aesthetics. So what I usually do with clients is to um, just encourage them to also start seeing the other side. Yeah, that's the, that's the first thing. And then definitely that we're not paying attention to our bodies. So we have a lack of awareness. And I really, I think most of the time it's not about self-discipline. It's about a lack of awareness. So we're not living in the present moment. We're thinking about the past, the future, or we are on autopilot. So you know that feeling where it, it almost when you start eating, it's just like it's this automatic process where you just keep on eating until there's nothing left on the plate, right? And a good way to, to imagine how or to, to think about how silly this actually is, when you think about a chef in a restaurant, he prepares this plate of food for 
everyone. It's the same, it's the same plate. It doesn't matter how big I am, um, what my activity levels are, how hungry I am, whether I'm male or female, I get the same plate of food, right? And, and for some other reason, we want to finish that plate off. It doesn't matter who gave it to us or who decided that this is what I need today. So really starting to tune in, when did I have enough? And that's difficult. I know it's a, it's a process. But yeah, we, we also tend to distract ourselves when we're eating. <laughs> so that feeling of having that pack of crisps, watching TV, and just suddenly it's gone, right? You didn't even notice that you ate all of it. So we're so obsessed with food. We love it. But then we distract ourselves while we're eating it. So that's a big one. Actually just being present with your food, enjoying it, savoring it every moment. And then the next thing is fear of not being loved. I think that's a big one. Um, you know, coming back to consumerism to a certain degree where if I'm not in that shape, I won't be happy. Um, no one will see me. No one will care for me. People will forget about me. At least if I'm in shape, people will notice me. Right. So there's a big element around that. And, you know, that's just not true. It's just absolutely not true. Yes, there are certain benefits to having a body that you're more comfortable in. Absolutely, I agree. You can feel more confident. You, can, you feel more comfortable in the clothing that you're wearing. But I've seen so many ladies, uh, young girls as well, they actually have the absolute perfect bodies and they still feel the same way. They got there, you know, they, they have that wonderful body, um, but they're still not feeling satisfied. So that's why... I encourage clients to work on both things simultaneously. Yes, we're going to work on the body if it's, a, if it's an issue for you, if you do want to lose the weight. But we're also focusing on accepting the body and loving the body so that if you get there, you can enjoy it fully. So a while back, I, um, we went to Umschlanga and there was a lady there that had, I think she must have been a fitness model. She's like, like that absolute perfect body nothing was out of place and she was so self-conscious it was it was so sad for me to see she was covering up all the time and she didn't sit with everyone else she sat there isolated on her own you know so it's not to say definitely not to say if you have that body that you're going to be happy that you are necessarily even going to feel better so very important to to work on that from the very beginning um, and something that I often get here, people often tell me that, you know, if I accept my body the way it is now, what that means is that I will not be able to reach my goal. If I love and accept my body the oh. way it is now, then I will never reach my goal weight. I won't be motivated. Yes, yes, exactly. And once again, I'm like, is that true? Is that really true? Thinking about you've got a junior position in a company. Does, that mean, does it mean that if you're enjoying your job um, and you love what you're doing, that you can't work towards being a senior in the, in the company? No, of course not. You can be happy with what you're doing and work towards something even bigger. right? So once again, we have to um, really think about that. And, and it's, it's absolutely not true. So you can love your body the way it is now. Try to start trying to love your body and accept it and also have something that you work towards. The next one is um, not trusting your body. So that's a big one. And there's a lot of things that come into play. Here. And I think trauma is one of the biggest. Because if you have came to believe that you couldn't rely on your body in a specific situation, 
when you experience some trauma? How could you trust it now? Right? Why will it tell me now what I need? It didn't tell me then. It couldn't help me then. So there I would definitely encourage you to, you know, work with a therapist or a psychologist to really help you get through those things. But I've seen that so much, so, so often. And, and often people just don't want to connect with their bodies because it's just too painful to be in the body, often because of that trauma. How does one get to a place where you truly connect with your body? It's a skill that we have to relearn. And I'm specifically saying relearn and not learn because it is actually already there if we take away all the other voices and all the external influences. So I would definitely recommend you do an, a mindful, intuitive eating program. I think those uh, programs are, are magical. And also instead of focusing on just the aesthetics, just the ornamental, just whether this will help me lose weight or make me look good, try also shifting the focus to what does my body need, you know, and what will make me feel good, what will make me thrive today. And then you kind of start to gain your body's trust. It's not just about this external thing. It's really about listening to your body and, and giving it what it needs. And because you are <laughs> screwing your body all the time, because you are not eating enough, you know, or you're eating too much or hating your body, um, you know, the body won't respond. Think of, once again, if you think of a corporate environment, if your boss is constantly telling you how bad you are and, you know, he doesn't recognize you for the work, hard work that you're doing, you're not going to want to be loyal, right? Compared to that boss is always encouraging you, you would want to be loyal and give back to the company in some way. And that's the same way. If you keep on being negative towards your own body, of course it is going to want to screw you in some other way. Yeah, I think, you know, we have to stop those negative messages that we send our bodies. Um, treat it like you would treat a best friend or a little girl. Would you, would you tell a little girl that she is fat and ugly? No, I hope not. But why do we think it's okay to tell that to ourselves? This is the only body that we came into this earth with and we are going to live in the same body. And for some other reason, we think it's okay to constantly break it down. So that's a very big first step to, to do in that regard. What is a mindful, intuitive program? Hmm. So that's where you, instead of necessarily only focusing on, like I said, the weight loss or what it will do for your body in terms of how you look, um, you start to tune in to what is it that my body wants? What is it that my body needs in this moment? So to give you an example, for me, color is a big thing. So if there's a lot of color on the, on the plate, my body kind of wants it compared to a slice of, you know, bland white bread. It's like it doesn't really resonate with my body. My body says yes to all of these lovely nutrients and antioxidants. And it really helps you to really tune into your hunger levels and your satiety levels. And instead of focusing on or listening to all of those rules and guidelines in your head, you start tuning into your body. When do I want to eat? When do I want to stop eating? What do I need? And that's a scary thought for most people. <laughs> They're like, I'll eat brownies all the time. But it's, it's a skill that you have to develop. Yeah, and isn't it strange that we lost that? Yes, yes. Maybe it's because there's so much available. Yes, exactly. And so many external opinions about what mm. we should eat. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So finally... 
How do you get to a place where you can trust yourself around food? So I think number one is to take away the restrictions. So this is quite um, challenging for most people. But if you tell a child, you know, you can play wherever he wants in the house, except one room. You do not go in there. Where's that child going to want to play? (laughs) You know that feeling. So, of course, the child is going to want to go in there. Compared to when you didn't tell the kid not to go there, he would have maybe just looked throughout the house and maybe he wasn't even interested in that room. Right. So that's the same concept. The moment we restrict ourselves, the moment we're telling ourselves not to have chocolate, that is exactly the thing that we want. And I've seen it with clients who do not have emotional um, relationship with food, like I've mentioned earlier, you know, then suddenly they want exactly that food that they've restricted now. So instead of the restrictions, I would want my clients to move from a should to a want. I don't necessarily want to eat this food right now because it doesn't make me feel good. You know, I'm bloated after, after I had the white bread, for example, or I feel very sluggish after I have had sugar, instead of I'm not allowed to have it, because that is when that little rebel comes out. And that little rebel is like a two or a four-year-old. Don't tell me what to eat. I will eat exactly what I want. So no restrictions um, is, is the first one. That's quite important. The second one would be to get your physiology back in balance, balancing your blood sugar, introducing more wholesome and nutritious foods that are nutrient-dense, Because if we're not getting those nutrients, your body will keep on being hungry. It's asking for more all the time. Third one is to address what's lacking in your life. Um, At least start. At least try to start. Because food will always compensate for what's missing. Um, And then the next one would be to allow yourself, and that's where the mindful intuitive eating comes in, to actually be okay with the fact to allow yourself to have a bite or one piece of chocolate every day, if that's what you want. Instead of, when we're restricting it, on Sunday I'm going to eat two chocolates because I've been restricted. And you'll find that if you actually allow yourself whatever, it's a journey to get there, I know, but then you don't necessarily want chocolate every single day, right? It's more about that kid walking past the, the, the room, I don't necessarily want to go in there. There's nothing of interest in there. Right, So I know it seems like a far away place, but it is absolutely possible to get there. And I think the last thing that I want to mention here is to forgive yourself and to move on. Now, that's where that all or nothing thinking comes in. So when you did make a mistake, if you did not listen to the body, you were tired. Come on, you're just human. Um, move on and try again tomorrow. Mm. And then your clients can do this with your help, of course. Yes. So you will be supporting them and cheering them on. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've got different support levels for clients. So some people just want to get their body back in balance, and then I need three or four sessions with them. Or they've got more emotional issues, and then we sometimes I work up to six months with clients. So it depends on what your or their need is. And where can listeners find more information on the work you do? So I think a good place to start would be my website. It's www.zinalaru.co.za. Um, they can also search my name, Zina Laru, on YouTube. I've got a few interviews with some health experts around the globe. Instagram, Zina underscore underscore 
Yes, and I've, I've, I see individual clients um, at my office in Lynnburn Road in, in Linwood Manor. I do retreats. I do online programs. I'm doing some training for a company in England uh, to train some students as well. So Is that online? Yes, online training. Yeah, so yeah. you work online as well? Yes, absolutely. So mm. you don't have to be based in Pretoria. You can be based anywhere around the world. Mm. Yes. And I'll attach the link of your website yes, to the 100%. podcast. Great. Now we're coming to your three tips on living a fulfilling life. Yes, and this applies to both health and life. So the first one is to address the root cause, right? So don't just treat the symptoms. This is in uh, for life and, and health, both of them. The second one is to be authentic or at least strive towards that because no one ever shoves anything down your throat. And it's mm. usually because of that pressure that we're experiencing, that we have that extra glass of wine or if we don't really feel like dessert, we still, we still eat it. It really is your body. It's your choice in the end. So try to be authentic in that regard, but also around the beliefs, the beliefs that we told um, about the health industry. Try to bring it back to your life, your body, instead of thinking of what we're supposed to do. And then the last one would be to include more fun and play into our lives. Um, because this is a big lie that we've been told, is that a healthy life is a punishment. It's boring. And it's not true. It doesn't have to be. Then you're doing it wrong. You're definitely doing it wrong. Um, you can enjoy your food and love your food and have a wonderful life. It is possible. Thank you, Zina. Can I ask you your fun question? Now, we're going to fantasy land, so you don't have to give a realistic answer. <laughs> but if you could invent a new kind of mirror that mm. did not reflect our physical bodies, but reflected something else about us, what would you like this mirror to show? Mm, I love your question. Um, I think it would, I would love for it to reflect our other qualities, any other qualities, our inherent beauty, our, like I mentioned earlier, that, that functional view of our body, to see all the other positive aspects of your body instead of just the aesthetics. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> thank you, Zina. And thank you for an eye-opening conversation. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 